Hello, everyone. Welcome to it's history tea time chat, tea time chat, history chat live, whatever tea time history chat live. And today we're going to be talking about the beginning of the end for Anne Boleyn. We have to, it's that time of year. And of course, Anne Boleyn is a big focus of uh, what I'll be up to in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we will be taking a look at that um, and anything else you would like to uh, talk about as well. So let me know in the comments where you're joining from. Um, throw me a hi, I don't know, describe your mood in an emoji. Whatever is the latest thing we're supposed to be doing now, um, that would be fabulous. So I'm streaming live on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. A big shout out to you if you are joining live. Thank you very much. If you're in the catch up crew, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to catch up. And if you're listening on the podcast as well, hi. In fact, I have a bit of a plea about the podcast. If you do listen to the podcast and you have the ability to do a review, please do so. I don't think they're the easiest things to find uh, doing reviews on podcasts, but um, I've had a couple on there of people who clearly haven't actually listened to my podcast. So please counteract um, counteract them and uh, and help me out. That would be fabulous. Hello, I can see Joanne. Um, Lisa's got a big muck of tea. Brilliant. Mr. Nami is uh, in Canada. Um, Steffi's, uh, Steffi Bridget. So which one is the first one? I don't know. Hello for, in Italy. Uh, snakes, Shanann, Chicanes. Snakes, Chicanes. Oh, no. Snakes and Chicanes in Tampa. Kim in Beaumont, Texas. And loads of you, loads of other people as well. Hello. I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody. Adrienne in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, we have someone from Malaysia. Welcome. Um, the podcast is, uh, it's just called British History and you can find it. The problem is if you actually, I didn't think this through, well, I did a bit, but when I named it British History, it's, uh, if you just search for that on uh, any podcast platforms, of course, you get any podcast or episode that's ever talked about British history. So if you look for it, um, if you look for it as a channel, rather than just a general search and I've stuck my face on it so that you can see that it is me um it uh, yeah or you can link to it from my substack which is sub uh, philippa b.substack.com um melanie uh, getting up early with her breakfast tea in texas jenna good morning in rhode island sunset over sleepy sleepy hollow oh lovely um and gems uh JTEM is in Atlanta. Uh, Mingi, Mingi in Taiwan. Um, yes, of course, Mr. Nami, a big relationship between Canada and the UK or Britain. Um, I've got those people meeting, from, uh, join us from Texas, Delaware. NJ is in Hamilton, Ontario. Another, I sleep holiday. Um, Mandy, am I excited about the coronation? Let's come back to that in a moment. Um, Claudia can't stay long, but she'll catch up later. Thank you, my darling. And uh, wonderful. And Ma um, Magga is in Maine. Welcome, everybody. Brian, also down there in Cornwall. Have you got sunshine, Brian? We've got a bit of sunshine now. Yay, come on. Come on, sunshine. Uh, now, last spring, we also took a while to get sunshine. And I know that because every year I have a tour that starts on the 16th of May and it rained right up until the tour started last year. I remember that well. Um uh mr nami i would not mind if you explain everyone what is crown land sometimes i would have to 
look into that more and tell you thank you for the suggestion um in fact anyone if you uh have suggestions as to what you would like me to cover let me know i may not be able to do it in you know immediately if it's not something that i uh, know a lot about but i will also go off and find it thank you um Deborah International Fine Art for the badge. That's very kind of you. You can support me with badges on Instagram. Stars on Facebook, I think. And uh, super chats, super thanks and all sorts of super stickers on YouTube. As always, what I would love you to do. Hi, Angie, in uh, sunny Badsley. Badsy. It's Badsy, isn't it? Sorry, Badsley is in Warwickshire. Um, uh, what I would like you to do, of course, always, uh, because I can give back, is my patreon patreon.com forward slash british history so um because i can give you stuff back it's five pounds a month and we get loads uh claudia you cover so much my head is spinning yeah i know imagine what's happening in mine um so yeah so tomorrow let me before i forget uh, well we've got an anniversary tomorrow i talked about it last week battle of tewksbury if any of you read my blog slash newsletter which came out on Sunday I argue in that that the Battle of Tewkesbury was the final Wars of the Roses battle the battle which concluded the Wars of the Roses of course it wasn't called the Wars of the Roses at that point but that um, actually Bosworth and of course Stokefield if everyone if people you know decide to be clever and stick that one on I actually think of a completely different um, argument if you like battle I don't think they're parts of the wars of roses and I need to sneeze and I'm trying desperately not to um, so I'm not trying I'm not crying <laughs> it's because I need to sneeze tomorrow though I have an interview coming out with Julian Humphreys who is a battlefields expert he's a tour guide a historian he's fabulous and um, we were talking for well over an hour about the Battle of Tewkesbury and all sorts, the run-up to it, the Wars of the Roses, the context of it, who was there, how they won, what happened afterwards. Um, now, if you're a member of my Patreon, you've already got access to that interview. And, of course, you've got access to the extended version, which is ad-free as well, so no annoying adverts. Um, and, yeah, you can get hold of that already. If you are not a member of my Patreon, and you don't want to be, that's fine. Just keep coming back. I love you still. Uh, that the that interview will be available on my YouTube channel tomorrow, 4th of May. And if you go there now, you can actually click a notification and uh, get to get it set up so that you can see it as soon as it's live. Um, so back to the question about the coronation. Excuse me. Um, Amy, has anyone heard that we will have to take an oath when we watch the coronation? I heard it on the news the other day. Yeah, see, I like... Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Beth. Um, I I firmly enjoy being around about 500, 600 more years in the past. Um, so the, the modern news, especially on some of the um, more mainstream channels, just isn't for me. It does mean, though... Excuse me, sniffing. I could really do with blowing my nose, but I won't. Um, the it means that some of this stuff passes me by. I know that sounds really bad, but um, yeah, I don't know if I'm excited. I am. I know I am excited about the coronation. I'm excited to be living through a 
historical event. I'm excited to see um, to see it. I'm excited to see how they've changed it, modernized it, whatever, adapted it to the times. Um, um, but that's, yeah, that's, I'm hoping we have, you know, quite a bit of street parties and things like that, but it's fairly quiet around. So I don't know. Um, but yes, I am, um, I'm interested to watch it, but I don't really know. We're not really doing much. Some people are doing loads of stuff, which is great, but I'm not. So we have our teas, we have our coffees, and uh, we can get into this. So if any of you follow my Instagram, which hopefully most of you do, you'll be seeing that I've posted daily so far the beginning of the end um, for Anne Boleyn. So these are the events which started to unfold really fast really fast this morning I have been hello Deborah um this morning I have been on the ladies who London podcast talking about Amberlynn's story and that is available that's going to be available on the 17th of May perfect timing because um the her anniversary of Amberlynn's execution of course is the 19th of May which came up in a pub quiz on Monday, which was the only round I'd stepped out for. Luckily, my team knew it, thankfully. So Anne actually is, it's, it's, it's funny, I was saying this on the podcast, so you'll, you'll hear this if you listen to it. it. Anne's story is one, and there are a few, Titanic, I noticed being mentioned in the comments, is another, where despite you knowing the ending, despite you having gone over the story, probably multiple times or hearing it multiple times, reading about it, listening to people discuss it, you still want a different end. You still think perhaps there's, on some level that there's going to be a different end, an intervention. Henry's going to send a pardon, um, whatever it is, he changes his mind. And of course it, it doesn't, it doesn't come. But the speed at which Anne found herself um, being going from being queen, watching over joust, the May Day jousts, to being a prisoner in the Tower of London. Well, that that was about twenty four hours. The first of May, she was um, watching the May Day jousts at Greenwich Palace. As was Henry, he wasn't partaking because he'd had that big accident um, jousting in the January, I think it was, wasn't it? Just before. Um, uh, just before Anne miscarried in 1536. And so he wasn't running. Um, and he abruptly leaves when he receives a letter from, probably from Cromwell, probably telling him of the outcome of the interrogation of Mark Smeaton, the court musician who had been arrested the day before and taken to Cromwell's house. Interesting choice. And yeah, he, and that's probably, although Anne had been seen arguing with Henry the day before, I would have thought that him leaving the joust that fast without saying anything would be the start of her thinking something was, was up. The following day, the 2nd of May, she is uh, arrested. She's kept in her apartments at Greenwich Palace before she is moved to the Tower of London. Um. 
And if you have a look on my Instagram, I've put a reel on of Queen Steps where it's about, I don't know if she, well, it's around about the place where she um, uh, entered, sorry, yeah, came off the barge because she, she would have gone by river. Greenwich is on the river. Tower of London is on the river. So she was taken by river. It took hours, apparently. I think they were against the tide, if I remember rightly. So it took a long time to get her there. Um, and she's taken in through a door in the uh, Byward Tower, which you can still see. Um, and so, uh, sorry, and then taken into the tower. And she never, she's never left the tower. Think of it that way. She goes in on the 2nd of May, 1536, and her her body is buried in St. Peter Advincula in the tower. She never, she has never left the tower. Um, and I will say this here because I think um, a few people, if they agree with this, need to hear this and probably don't agree with this. And it's some of the responses that I get pretty regularly um, on posting about Anne Boleyn. Um, we're getting a lot of, I don't know if it's because of the, well, it must be the run-up to the coronation. We're getting a lot of Camilla hate in the uh, in the comments about Anne Boleyn. H- how? I mean, it's a stretch. It is a stretch uh, to to relate the two. But, and this is, this is the really disturbing part. People saying things like, and this is not always linked to Camilla, but I saw one the other day linked to, to Camilla about, you know, deserving her fate. And I just want to say, she had her head cut off. Okay, anyone calling for that or or saying that that was justified needs to take a long, hard look at themselves. I'm sure you'd agree. Um, How, 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 I think that because of the, the, um, the, the, the time that's gone by, um, it is easy to dehumanize. It, it, I, that's probably a general point. It's easy to dehumanize people of the past, but they're exactly human like me and you. They have the same reactions. Now, when Anne gets taken to the tower, she is hysterical. She's just, so this this does, it, I suppose that shows just how out of the blue it comes. Not that not that anyone who is arrested and taken to the tower wouldn't be um, sort of inclined to, to to be worried is not a big enough word. <laughs> um, so what do we have here? Lisa says, did Henry, uh, didn't Henry order the executioner from France before the verdict? Indeed. Well, in terms of the timescales, it wouldn't have been possible for the executioner to Presuming, of course, he was brought over from Calais and wasn't already in the country, it wouldn't have been possible to send message to him for him to come back and be be here in time for um, for the execution. So, yeah, um, does it does appear that that the executioner was ordered before the trial? Also, the men in the tower, they're the ones that were convicted and 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 were eventually uh, beheaded as well. They were um, uh, all their their lands had been re- uh, distributed before their trial as well. So yeah, um, Claudia Anne was so smart she made mistakes 
however she changed so much it's I mean I don't we like to put on one person maybe it's really it's one of these things that comes up with history all the time you know and we we talk about it a lot on this show and I talk about it a lot with the people that I interview as well we we have to in one way simplify um condense I would say is probably a better word um the um events and people involved to um so Adrienne yeah the the executioner was ordered before the trial um so yeah we we have to condense the event so you know Anne gets uh, a lot of um sort of blame or credit depending on which side you're on for religious changes as does Henry as does Cromwell you know I have an interview for you that I am so looking forward to um to releasing it's very long so I think I'm going to serialize it it will be available on YouTube and um and it's with James Clark, Professor James Clark, who is a professor of history at Exeter, and he has written a book on the dissolution of the monasteries. And we talk about Anne and her part or not, or whatever, it, you know, involved in that. So look out for that. It's honestly, I am so excited. I don't think I've been as excited. All of my the interviews that I've done, I've loved, but I, because with this one, it takes something like the dissolution of monasteries, which is a classic example of where we've condensed a piece of history into trying to understand something that was so nuanced and complicated and drawn out um, that um, that it's been a victim of, of being oversimplified. Anyway, so we go into the nuances, hence it being such a, a big book that Professor Clark has written and such a long interview. Also, he's very, very easy to listen to. He's so knowledgeable. It's incredible. Um, Laura, did Anne know that Mark Smeaton was being questioned? Was she at all on to what was uh, happening or was it complete shock? So when Anne gets to the tower, um, the the first day, um, I don't know, I can't remember, sorry, off the top of my head, when she's told but I don't think it's then because for a good couple of days, she is um, she's talking pretty much uncontrollably. She's not checking what she's saying, if you like. She's not, you know, we like to think of her as very composed. I think that helps us cope with the idea of the whole thing. But reality was she was beside herself and she's trying to work out why is she there? So she's going through these things. This is when her um, argument with Norris, she talks about her argument with Norris. She talks about her argument with Weston um, um, about, you know, whether, you know, if, if, why isn't he married her lady in waiting mad yet? Why, what's he, what's he, what's he tarrying for? What's he waiting for? She recalls these sorts of things. So, um, so I don't think it was clear to her at all why she was there. Um, and I imagine things are drip fed to her to keep her talking and keep her wondering. Uh, yeah, keep her yeah talking. <laughs> um, 
Debbie, there's no proof, actual proof against it. Yeah, absolutely. Linda, I've always wondered how Anne or any others could physically climb the scaffold stairs knowing they were going to be beheaded. I would pass out. Yeah, I yeah, I know. Absolutely. The fear must just... Someone put in the comments here as well. Abs- no one, no one ever deserves to have their head cut off. Exactly. Well said. Well said, Amy. Um, yeah. And it, it, just to... People flippantly put it in the comments or she deserved her fate. She, you know, because of the way she treated Catherine all the way. Well, okay. She might not have treated Catherine. Clearly she didn't treat Catherine very well. Um, She didn't treat Mary very well. The leap then to say you deserve death, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not, that's, 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 that's not uh, good. Angie, uh, it's amazing that Henry lived as long as he did, considering how evil and calculated he was. Shame no one managed to get rid of him. Highly paid protectors. And it's it's interesting. Yeah, Katie says he lived all those, um, he killed, sorry, excuse me, he killed all those people too, long-time friends. Yes, five men were executed along with Anne. They were executed the day before, uh, two days before, actually. I think it was the 17th they were executed i think anne's original execution date was supposed to be the 18th um and included in those men were of course anne's brother but henry norris was a long time close friend of henry and again talked about this on the podcast with the ladies who london this morning um that is there There's such a self-destructive element in these, um, in in this, but in in other things that Henry has done as well. There is this element of, big element of, if you don't agree with me, um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to kill you. But, you know, but he, he, how, he, these people were loyal. These people were friends. Um, uh, Feng Shui, but you know who you are. Um, have a safe trip to to take your son to school, and I'll see you later. <laughs> um, yeah, he he. There is a, there's a self destructiveness about clearly about getting rid of everyone who's actually loyal to you, who's been around before before you were you know the big shot or whatever. They were they were they were. He, he he then has no alternative. He's then starting to surround himself by default by yes men, which might have suited him, it, but it's never, ever a good idea. Um, and then you have, you, I mean, can you imagine you're losing best friends, but to have been the, to have been the person who did it, who could have saved them as well. So even if you... It's it's still it's still this is what like what I was saying at the beginning it's still unbelievable when you get to the um, the the story and the the events that are happening in the middle of May that there was no reprieve for the men or for Anne from Henry. Um. So yeah, uh, Debbie, we have to keep in mind that uh, fictionalized characterizations of her Anne that we have seen and heard are just that fictionalized we should really go by the actual contemporary accounts of course and yeah you're right Debbie and um 
again, we've had this conversation quite a few times before. What part does dramatised history have? And I think it's absolutely excellent for getting people into history. But say uh, when you're watching something, there is a, um, a, you know, any conversation between two characters. Um, You can't, maybe there are some that are based on an account. You're never going to know the exact words. And most of the conversations probably weren't written down. What the, what the, the dramatization is trying to do is tell an overall story. Um, and even when we have nonfiction versions of events anywhere in history, there's still a massive element of um, conjecture, of interpretation. Uh, as I've said in the past, so I just, excuse me saying things like that, but you know, some of you have been following me for quite a long time now. And um, that we could watch the same events happening now. We could be at the same, we could physically be at the same event. We could physically watch the same um, conversation between two people and have a different perspective on what actually has happened. So things like truth, fact, um, come with caveats, I would say. But yes, Debbie, absolutely. We do need to remember that um, fictionalised accounts of Anne are just that, are just that. But isn't it wonderful, really? That and it's it, it, it's sad that she wouldn't have a clue how long her um, story, her name would be known for over five hundred years, um, or five hundred years around about five hundred years. Sorry, aren't we? Um, and she yet, which she would have gone to the scaffold, thinking her reputation had been destroyed, her body was about to be destroyed. Her daughter was going to be left motherless. She saw what happened to Mary at the hands of Henry and how cold he was to his own daughter. Must have been a fear for her that her her own daughter was going to be um, treated badly as well. And indeed, she wasn't treated very well um, in the aftermath. Um, and yet, and yet, her legacy has lived on. And I would argue that Henry is only as famous as he is because of his wives. Other than being a man who married six times and killed two of them, not all of them, as if that helps, but some people say he killed all of them. Of course he didn't. Um, he, oh, maybe by proxy. Um, what else did he do? <laughs> He's famous for having six wives. That's it really um because if you think about it as well he yes he changed the church but he only did that because of um because of wanting a second wife um but yeah i th- i think henry it would be very interesting to look at henry's behavior in terms of depression um probably a psychopath <laughs> oh yeah but poor Anne. So um, I will be posting daily, unless something happens and I forget, um, on the run up to uh, to her execution on the 19th. On the 16th of May, I'm already going to be on tour. We do the Anne Boleyn tour every year. Um, 
and I'm very excited this year. Linda, I've got one of these for you in September, but I've got um, these travel diaries. I'm so, this is so cool. Look at that illustration. Isn't that so cool? I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of them. Um, so all of the, um, all of the people, uh, this is done by Catherine, they, all of these people, uh, all the people on the tour, excuse me, will be getting a travel diary. Um, we're staying at Hever Castle, of course, that's Anne Boleyn's childhood home, and uh, going to Hampton Court Palace, where Tracy Borman is um, talking to us at Hampton Court Palace in the room which Jane Seymour gave birth, possibly... You know, Anne might have been in that room at some point. It looks very Georgian fired now, which basically means bland, but it does have the fireplace in that they would have recognised. And the following day, the 19th, so we're at the Tower of London. So it's always quite cool on the 19th because, because like I said, you, you end up seeing, or oh, I don't know if I said this on this or the podcast this morning, you end up seeing loads of people that you know in, from the Tudor world because people go to um, to pay their respects to Anne. So it's really fab. Deb, um, Debbie, if the Pope had granted an annulment, he would have happily left the country uh, to be Catholic. It, it's interesting. I did a clubhouse room and I really wish it had been a recorded interview. Of course, clubhouse was just live at the time that we did this. Um, and uh, with um, a lady called B, who is a, a tour guide in Italy. So, we were talking about the annulment at from the Italian perspective, from the perspective of Rome at the time. And Henry's Henry's great matter was such an it was like a irritating buzzing fly around the uh you know, around the ears of the Pope at the time where he was dealing with Rome being ransacked and ransacked it was. It's, thousands and thousands of people died and then in in the in the um in the sacking and then uh thousands of people died after he was captured you know like there was a lot going on that wasn't to do with bloody henry the eighth trying to get wheedle his way out of a marriage you could also put into the mix that had catherine have accepted that she was too old to have an heir and that Henry did need to have an heir. Um, even if you even if you want to say, well, Mary, you know, Mary's just because she's a woman, she could have been queen. Yes, fine. She's also still the only one. Um, that's dangerous. Um, yeah, so it's, oh, I mean, clearly it's a story that we love talking about because it's fascinating and then you can't really ignore the speed at which Henry marries Jane Seymour uh Jane is waiting on news that Anne has been found guilty and that then Anne has been executed or at least Henry's sending her that news um Jenna, I could be wrong, but I think the Reformation would have happened with or without Henry. He just excelled the process. And maybe the, yeah, and, and yeah, because clearly Reformation happened. Well, it was, it was already um, uh, in Scotland, it was already taking it that way. Um, 
and of course we now know we end up with a Scottish uh, king in England as well by the start of the next century. So, yeah, what way that would have happened? Maybe, yeah, maybe it would have been exactly the same. Maybe we'd have still had our monasteries, maybe some of them. But again, you're going to have to listen to James's interview because <laughs> um, we covered so much stuff. And if you're a member of my patron, there is another hour just for you. Oh, my God, it's golden. I, I just, it's just fantastic. I I enjoy finding uh, I I enjoy finding information, being told of you know stories, whatever that change my mind on something. Um, I am always totally open, and I think as people interested in history, we all should be to having our understanding of something challenged and changed. It's good for your brain, it's good for your humility, and it's good for understanding history and human beings um and this is one interview that hopefully will do will do it for you of course you can read his book as well it's just called the dissolution of the monasteries a new history i think it's called um so yeah grab hold of grab hold of that as well it's um i can't remember if it's on um yes it is it's on audible as well um uh is you Yuja, sorry, uh, is is joining us from Indonesia. Welcome. Nice in the evening there. Hopefully wind down time, time to relax. Um, right, so what else are we going to so talk about? Anne, yes, and, um, and Jane Seymour. What are, your, um, what are your thoughts on Jane and her, do you think she was not necessarily complicit, but maybe supportive or do you think she couldn't have said anything against Henry's plans they marry very quickly um uh, as David Starkey puts it before Anne's body was um you know even cold I mean the outcome I think shocked everyone it does make you wonder you know you'd love to get into say Cromwell's head did he actually actually think that Henry wouldn't send a pardon um, or, yeah, something. So she has to uh, she has to go, but she uh, could have been exiled. She could have um, uh, gone to a nunnery. Well, maybe they were starting to be closed by then. But, yeah, mind you, they were still taking people for the next few years. Um, Jenna, would, J- would Jane have had much choice? And Katie, she must have been scared to death to put a fo- foot wrong. Yeah, she was probably afraid in many, in some respects. It's interesting. What I don't think she was is completely passive. I just, I just can't see that she was somehow meek. And um, her portrait shows somebody a little bit, or looks. That's how can we tell from a portrait? But looks maybe potentially like that, and. Um, I'm just getting a poor connection. Um, sorry, I dropped out then. And she, um, yeah, so just, I, I think, again, we compare, when you get people compared in history, um, we get this with, with Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots, we get it with the wives of Henry VIII, they all have to fit into their own category. 
Um, and you've got, if you're doing a direct comparison, then there's the temptation to make them opposite each other. So Anne is feisty, Jane must be meek. Um, now, I actually just don't, I, I, well, who knows? Jane doesn't live long enough. She's dead by the end of the following year after giving birth to Edward. Now, as the mother of the heir, who knows what she might have been like? Um, she's a Seymour. She's powerful. If you know, if there wasn't any of the other um, events which which sort of brought the Seymours into check as well. Uh, Laura, do you think? Uh, uh, oh, yes, good point. Do you think Jane? Be- actually, excuse me. Do you think Jane believed Anne actually cheated with all those men, including her brother? Do you think most people believed it, or do you think his motives were obvious? Um, I'll come back to that. That's a really good question. Jenna, I think if Jane's status was higher, like Christine of Denmark, who said, nope, yeah. If I had two heads, then I should give one to the King of England. Um, Maybe she could have refused, yeah. Um, And then Deborah's asking about, do you think that the head trauma that Henry suffered from his jousting accident, as well as his other issues, may have led to his tyrannical actions? Right, so let's do these... uh, in turn so Laura's question um actually Laura if you don't mind I'm going to come back to yours because the questions on Instagram fly up and I lose them whereas I can see yours there on on YouTube staying still so the jousting accident that Henry had was his this is the the one where with his head injury uh, Anne blames the news the way that her uncle gave her the news of this accident uh she blames her miscarriage that she has uh, she has that on the same day that Catherine of Aragon is buried remember those these two women die in the same year within the six months of each other um uh yeah she blames the the, the way she received that the, the miscarriage on the way she re- received that news um so Henry's already um already starting to be uh, to have health issues um the he definitely was, um, you know, he showed signs of tyranny very early on. Callousness, coldness. Um, remembering, of course, he how much detail he knows certainly doesn't see any uh, torture, death. Henry is a hypochondriac. He doesn't. He doesn't want death. There was a. There was a. Um, there's a parish line which if you go into the Horse Guards Parade um, tunnel, which sort of gets you from Whitehall through to the parade ground at the back, you'll see there's a parish line. Uh, St Margaret's, one way. St Margaret's is the church that's just outside Westminster Abbey. And um, uh, 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 St Martin's in the field. That's the one on the other side, isn't it? Next to um, Trafalgar Square. The parish line comes there. It didn't used to. That all used to be St. Margaret's. Um, but the um but Henry didn't want dead bodies coming through to be buried or to have the whatever. So so the parish line was put there. Anyway, so, so Henry's a hypochondriac. Chondriac. He doesn't want to be anywhere near death, torture. Oh no. So he's so removed from this stuff, and yet he, you know, he's throwing it out there all the time. Um, but I think pain makes people very irritable. If you live with chronic pain, you'll know that your emotional capacity is very much um, eroded. 
you know, whether that may, means that you cry a lot or shout a lot or you're unreasonable. But living with chronic pain is um, just a nightmare. Um, however, of course, he does have this head injury. So it's always difficult, isn't it, to diagnose from afar, from 500 years as well. Um, so I think maybe, but he was already a cruel, cold person. Having said that, you're right in that this was this is an extreme even for Henry. We know it happened. So to imagine a time where this has never happened um, is, is, is almost impossible. Um, sorry, Laura, I will get to your question. Um, I'm just conscious of these going up and off the screen. Uh, Joanne asks uh, why a uh, proper casket wasn't made ready for Anne. Um, yeah, well, we'll go into that as well. Um, so it's, uh, as Jenna says there, actually, it, I think it's linked to the fact that no, this is, this has never happened before. I don't think people believe that it, that Henry wouldn't stop it at the very last minute. It's unthinkable for a, uh, I mean, the wasn't that many women who'd been um beheaded for treason um and a queen a queen who a month before has is you know she's she, it's not like she's been disgraced over a period of time this was you know the, the general populace just knew that one day one sunday they're they're, they're uh praying for Henry and Anne another Sunday they're praying just for Henry and in a few Sundays time they start being led in prayer for Henry and Jane and this is how much they they know um so Laura to your question do uh do you think Jane believed that Anne actually cheated with all those men including her brother and do you think most people believed it or were his motives too obvious I think um, hello, Maria. How are you doing? I think that, um, yeah, Nick, her life should have been spared. Um, and why did it take two months for Henry VIII's funeral? Oh, we'll have to do that one another day if you don't mind. So I don't think anyone really believed that Anne, um, that Anne did these things for very good reason. Um, hi, Melissa in Cape Cod. How lovely. Lovely place. Um, because they are so extreme. They are, if I can, if anyone wants to see a, a day by day countdown, um, really well done. Claire Ridgway's book, um, The Fall of Anne Boleyn, a countdown is great. And I'm going to just read, if I can find it here, um, just a little bit um, of what she is accused of. Because it is... <laughs> To be honest, it is ludicrous. Um, I wonder if I can find it because it's it's saying that um, that that. Let me see if I can find it. So sorry, but basically, you know, she committed. Um, I don't. She had daily carnal lusts that needed satisfying, and I, I I said this on the podcast this morning. I was thinking, blimey, okay, she must have had a good diet to be that uh, energetic. Let's say. Um, but yeah, you know, she does it in di in diverse places, 
and uh, with with all these men, really, really, and no one noticed. No one noticed. No one told the king. No one put a stop to it. Um, it is very unlikely that people would have thought that it was even possible. Um, however. Um, I'm trying to find the bit because it's so it's so obvious when you look at it that um, that 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 this sort of addition of uh, it happened on this day, this day, this day, and many others. So basically, if we haven't put in a date, that's just because you know it, it happened. It's just that we didn't write down the the exact date. Um, so no, I'm not sure that anyone would have really believed it. Um, also, the important thing to say here is these were outrageous crimes. Anne is supposed to have you know, committed adultery with multiple men, as if they're all part of some like weird sex club or something, including, of course, her own brother. So that adds on to it as well. Now, these are so morally reprehensible that what happens and it happens today if you watch this if you watch it watch out for this in um in modern news or wherever you see sort of contempt um uh, current affairs that when the accusation is so heinous it's very difficult for people to say anything to the contrary, although I don't really believe that so-and-so did that because it is immediately equated with defending the crime as a crime in itself. So I I think um, I think there was no way people could have um, said anything because they would have been looking like they were defending uh, an adulteress you know, treason, uh, you know, traitors, because to violate the Queen is treason, had been since 1351. Um, to imagine the death of the King, which they're doing by, you know, supposedly planning on marrying Anne after one of them to marry Anne after Henry dies, is imagining the death of the King. That's also treason, also something that had been in the, in, in the Treason Act since 1351. Um, because when I first heard those uh, things, I thought, oh, here we go. Here's Henry making up laws to suit himself again. But actually that always already had been, um, been there. So, um, what else have we got? Uh, Melissa, I'm not sure I believe that, uh, believe that Anne would have been afraid or worried because of Anne's beheading. We never think the guy is going to do to us what he did to the previous woman. Yeah. See how human these people are. See how human they are. Yeah. Um, you of course have Anne of Cleves much later on who when Catherine Howard is executed is starting to wonder whether or not Henry might remarry her so yeah Uh, Lisa did Jane Boleyn help the process along I don't oh I do know I almost don't want to get into the Jane Boleyn thing she's quite controversial now isn't she um, or the, the talking about her is. Um, I I don't know. I I I, I don't think so. I would recommend um, 
listening to my I think Lisa you already have done but listening to my interview with Gareth Russell where I was I, I wanted to look at the differences between the downfall of Catherine Howard and the downfall of Anne Boleyn to see how that taught us something about the each other if you see what I mean so you know Henry's reaction to um the news that Catherine Howard had um had been unfaithful is so different and yet with Anne he he spent what six years trying to change change the country change change kill people because they didn't agree suddenly with his view of the world which he's putting in place so that he can marry Anne Boleyn he's done all of this and yet he finds out she's been sleeping around supposedly and but fine fine I'm I'm done with her and I'm going to marry someone else that doesn't happen with Catherine Howard he cries anyway have a look at my interview with Gareth Russell um about that about the difference between the downfalls and the executions it's it's really um uh insightful so um Lisa, I'm looking forward to Heather Darcy's new book about the Cleves children. Yes, um, uh, uh, Heather Darcy has written a book about um, Anna of Cleves, Anne of Cleves. Um, and yes, her, I think it's about to be released, the one about the Cleves children. So yeah, that would be really interesting, uh, interesting read. So um, keep following me on uh, Instagram. When we're on tour, I will also be um, posting, you know, obviously I'm, uh, I'll transition to the interview twice. Excellent. That's what we like. Commitment. Um, Maria, speaking of Howard, uh, managed to track a copy of Gareth's book. Good. Do you know what you're going to have to do, Maria? We're just going to have to get you over here. Come over with an empty suitcase. Get all your books. And uh, yeah, and then you can take them all home. Yeah, poor Catherine Howard, too young to die. Again, you know, she died because she was killed because of you know, committing adultery or whatever. Um, so, uh, Jenna, off topic, but I think what saved Catherine Parr was Henry being too old and tired to be bothered to proceed with it all. The other thing that saved Catherine Parr was being tipped off that it was coming and actually physically being in the same place as Henry and getting to him first. There were... There were men on the way to arrest her. Oh, Katie, thank you for the badge. That's really kind. Um, there were, yeah, there were, there were men on the way to arrest her, and um, she she manages to speak to Henry first. So that's also, um, yeah, that's also a reason why she was uh, saved. But before I leave you for today, remember to pop in your diaries if you're interested. The Tudors Online History Festival. I know some of you have already got your tickets for it. It's not till November. It's the 17th till the 19th of November. But the reason I am letting you know about it now is, one, because you can already buy your ticket. Um, but also, oh, Maria, saving it for a tour. Yeah, save it for a tour. Bring two suitcases um, <laughs> and uh, and we'll get you sorted out with your books. Um Yes, the reason I'm letting you know the dates now is because we have two live events on the 19th of 
November. So on the Sunday. So if you get those in your diary, you can't possibly be doing anything else. And the reason why you'll want to be there is because all the speakers um, and the speakers only are going to be on the live questions and answers panel. So by that point, you will have been able to see all their talks. Don't worry if you can't actually make the full weekend because they're all going to be available until the end of January 2024. But they're going to be able to take your questions. So if you've been able to see all their talks or anyway, you can put a question to them on Sunday the 19th of November. So pop it in your diary. Make sure you get your ticket, um, which I should really tell you how you can get your ticket because that would be helpful, wouldn't it? So the tickets are available at the Tudors 2023.eventbrite.co.uk. I don't know why it's not .com, but it's not .co.uk. Um, uh, and Maria says, I saw the other day we now have Illyri too, which is so cool. Yes, we have seven, seven talks and seven speakers. Uh, MJ, I'm so looking forward to my trip to London in September. Fantastic. Yay, yay, yay. Um, yeah, so we have seven speakers at the Tudors Festival. So we have Tracy Borman, Gareth Russell, Kat Marchant, uh, Joanne Paul, uh, Estelle Peronk, James Clark, and Illyri Lynn. Honestly, just a fantastic lineup. Um, so, yeah, so if you follow my the link to tickets in my bio on Instagram, or if you go to the Tudors2023.eventbrite.co.uk, you can get your tickets. Just make sure you've got it in your diary for now, if that's all you do, so that you don't miss out um, on it. Right, so I remember tomorrow, Julian Humphreys on the Battle of Tewkesbury. Um, if you want to know why I think the Battle of Bosworth was nothing to do with the Wars of the Roses, please go to my uh, Substack and you can read my latest Substack there and you can um, sign up to it. It's free. There is a paid for version that gets you a extra blog a month. Um, or, of course, come over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash British History, which also gets you a blog but it gets you a load, load more stuff as well. Um, Mandy, thank you for the badges. That's so kind. Uh, but yes, you can go to my Substack. It's Philippa B, one L, two P's in Philippa, dot substack.com. And you can read my thoughts on why the Battle of Bosworth was not in the Wars of the Roses at all. So, right, there's the things. We're back tonight with History After Dark, myself, Dr. Cat and Catherine uh, on history.after.dark on Instagram and History After Dark on YouTube. Uh, and um, we will be talking, well, we're doing a roundup of the last four uh, deceased gits that we were talking about. Colleen, thank you for the badge. So, so kind. Um so that's it. So I'll see you tonight at quarter past eight on History After Dark. If you're not there, you can join me here next week at one o'clock, same time uh, as this week. So Wednesday, one o'clock, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. All right, everybody, have a great day and I will see you all really soon. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.